the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. That you're right that hair does add a certain amount of volume to your head right so it's like how balanced is your whole body really yeah 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 i don't know but yeah what about just dying in a color i wanted to for a while i kind of wanted like blue in there and then i went a little lavender lilac-y two years ago but it actually was totally not the right color for me it made me look like a ghost and uh because of your complexion yeah just like the skin tones there's something with that and it didn't match and i looked terrible and i had wanted it for so long to kind of go this funky it was almost like gray you know that like cool lavender grayish thing i know what you mean yeah Um, that's in style cool and it did not work for me (laughs) but you've talked about that before the idea of like after you got divorced you went on some like type of liberation spree or something like that i mean the only thing i did was get piercings which is not crazy but i did get a couple of piercings and then i just started dressing more uh provocatively i guess it's not that provocative it's just not modest and what was that about what was that about what was it about what was what about well what why after the divorce go get piercings start dressing more provocatively i mean well, i wasn't dressing provocatively like that that was the wrong word I just provocative in the orthodox sense i just started not dressing according to this like confines of religion that's all that older <laughs> elbows uh, and knees right yeah and the piercings is just something i always wanted to do it just felt i I think I may have mentioned it here that I, uh, the divorce ended up going through the basin. And so, and it was, I was putting it, I kind of had this race going, it was in the legal system and in basin. And I'm like, whoever gets me to that finish line first, I just don't care at this point. But I was very conscientious, conscientious of how I would show up to basin. And I felt like wasn't the right time to get Uh... piercings and then show up and, you know, present myself in that way. I had waited that long. I felt I could just wait till after Basedin, maybe. <laughs> and I did right away. It was, I think the weekend afterwards, I think I got my divorce on a Tuesday and I was that weekend in a parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot me up. I said to my friend, I'm like, do you think I'm overdoing it? And I got three piercings in one shot. And she's like, nah, no, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> what were the piercings? I got my nose pierced, I got mid ear, and then I got the cartilage on top ear. I already had two in one ear. That was very risque, but I went sure. I went three. And my kids were mortified. They would not look at me. It was very fascinating. Um, Why? My youngest, who was overjoyed. She's, she's my little rebel, and she's going to join me on my journey, I'm sure. And she was so excited. She was dancing in the streets. Ema got a piercing. And the other kids were like, shut up, shut up. They were, so, <laughs> they were so mad at her and they were so uncomfortable. It was just very uncomfortable for them. And I think there was just a lot of changes happening very fast. And, and that, that was an uncomfortable space for them to be in. And a lot of the changes weren't necessarily so external. And this was such a like, oh, that's where our mom is at now, you know, kind of in their face. And that was hard for them. 
And then that was just the beginning of me saying, too bad, guys. <laughs> I will continue to embarrass you for the rest of your life. There's a lot I want to unpack here, uh, if I can. Um, but like, sure, yeah, let's jump. Have, let's do it. Had you been thinking about those piercings for some time? I had always wanted a nose piercing. Yeah, I had sure. been thinking about it for a while. Any particular draw to it? Because I see a lot of Jewish women getting nose piercings. And so I'm just so kind of I just thought it looked cool. I mean, really nothing deep there. Just thought it looked cool. Maybe there's some underlying wanting to look different, pushing sure. the boundaries to what I grew up with. Maybe it didn't, didn't feel like that so much. It really felt just aesthetically I wanted it, but I'm open yeah. <laughs> to the fact yeah. that there's some hidden desires and motivations behind that. Definitely. And what, and what about the ears? Also, just cool. I thought it looked cool. Um, actually, actually, I was just thinking about this recently of how um, I always felt like I never really fit in wherever I was. I never really fit in fully in the Orthodox world. I just felt different inside. And then when I started getting exposed or mingling with the outside world, I actually went to an all women's college randomly. It wasn't religious or Jewish. It just happened to be all women's college. And I was still religious at the time and dressed modestly and I felt so uncomfortable. I felt like I didn't fit in there either that I was just this like nerdy Jewish girl. And I always just felt so uncomfortable right. wherever I was that I hadn't found my style. I didn't really fit into my style. And I think mm. part of the piercings was exploring that of just, okay, let's try some different things and stand out or look a little bit different. And, I don't take take some risks. I think that's what it was about. I can certainly appreciate that. Uh, there have been times, and certainly as of late, in which I've come to think about how I fit in with the Jewish community that I grew up with, and how comfortable I really feel in it, and um, how comfortable did I ever really feel in it, and is what I'm doing now things that I, you know, felt just in general back then and didn't know how to articulate it. Uh, I don't know that the divorce specifically inspired any of that, but I think the circumstance provided the space for it to be articulated. Um, this is really interesting. And your kids, like they, they got on board pretty quickly or are they still kind of having a hard time seeing mom as being a different person? Um, they don't have a hard time in the same way that it was so almost abrasive to them and very sudden. Also remember that we had come from, Jerusalem, Nachlaot, which was super hippie religious. Yeah. I wore like yeah. covered my hair with these like wraps and I've been there. In, we were ensconced in that world. My son up until the age of six or seven had like huge payas because like that was just his vibe. Right. <laughs> and, and and then we just moved to America pretty suddenly. And I had a like fuck it, I don't want to be religious in America attitude. Like if I can't wow. be religious in Israel, I can't be religious anywhere kind of right. approach. And I just really kind of stopped covering my hair. And then it, it was slow, but it also was very fast to them at the same time and, and probably very jarring. And it's definitely something that we continue to work through. And I have three kids and each one has a different relationship to me mm -hmm. and to their own religion. Mm -hmm. And that affects the way we, we react and interact with each other. And it's and hard. That, but I imagine, I mean, I'm certainly not trying to judge it, but at the same time, I imagine it's got to be for their benefit in that way, right? There's something good about 
this transition for them in that way? So my, my middle daughter is the most challenging in this sense. She's the most spiritually religious where she believes she's devout. <laughs> like she yeah. probably be a nun if yeah. she was Catholic. And that's, it's hard for her because that kind of ideology is, is very closed-minded. It's very, when you have such a fastidious um, belief, it's hard to open up the gateway to there's other ways, there's other possibilities. And she's young right now. And so um, it's still endearing at this point, but, and I, and we do talk about it. And, and I have said to her, I said, I know that it's hard for you. And I know that it's hard to, you know, pit your belief system against what you see to be mine, but I promise <laughs> it is so much better to have a mom who's just what, like, open to you of you can do whatever you want to be happy and yeah. and that I'm so I just want her to find her space and that's such a better experience than having a mom who's closed-minded and everything has to be one way or her way and I think it's hard for her to see right now and I hope that she'll open up to that you know even if our religious views diversify even more as she gets older that you know I we, I'm entitled to my opinions and she's entitled to hers and, and her lifestyle but that I'm, I'm just so open to both of us having our own journeys in life and being who we want to be. Um, but I don't know, because I haven't had great experience with, with people in that religious framework. And so I have my own insecurities and worries and fears about my relationship with her. It's interesting what it takes to kind of give permission, give someone permission to kind of break from religious boundaries and strictures and things like that when They've set so much of their routine and I think belief system, even kids and adults um, on, you know, how they live their lives and to veer from that, you know, offers, well, I think just real challenge to them. Uh, this is, and it's a scary notion. Yeah. What about you and your kids? Do you feel like you're, you're I mean, they're young and yeah. you raise them to be pretty open. So yeah, I mean discrepant right now we had a pretty flexible practice when we were bringing them up i mean we've talked about before how shabbat in my house you know with my kids is very different than from what it was when i was growing up right in terms of how decorated it is and we just do pizza <laughs> on paper plates that sort of thing not on paper plates but my point is to say you know it's, it's very casual and i think since the divorce yeah it's gotten even it's gotten even more casual but, you know, I don't think it's to their detriment. I certainly know that they appreciate it because it means quality time. It means doing fun things, um, you know, and it's not to say we weren't doing that before, but I think there's just a more concentrated effort at that uh, because the Jewish community isn't so immediately part of what we're doing right now. Uh, and so, and that's beyond the pandemic, right? Having nothing to do with that. Um, so, yeah, and I don't think that I ever to be honest with you, like I, I didn't get any piercings getting post-divorce. I didn't get any tattoos or anything like that. Or none that are clear to the outside world. Clearly not yet, <laughs> at least. Or I'm not willing to admit, but I haven't. And I think if I did, I would certainly share that. Part of my problem is I don't know what I would get and where I would get it, considering it is a permanent thing. And so did you feel the urge, maybe, maybe what was your piercing? You know, did you have a break free moment of I'm gonna go do this out of the box or push my comfort zone? um the way you dress the way you look did you buy something did you have your own experience of that i think i got to like a zero fucks given moment where i was just like i don't like i am really the only arbiter of my own life 
right? I, you know, you do have an urge to do, do something specific, you know, buy a I mean, look, I'll, I'll admit I had a good amount of sex, <laughs> right? I mean, I think that's what it was safely, uh, you know, and with respect and whatnot, but, um, uh, but I had a good amount of sex and I needed to, and I wanted to, and, you know, I found people that also were in that position too, which was really good and made me feel good um, and made them feel good too. So there was a wonderful, I think, mutual exchange in the process. And, and I think part of that was also, yeah, part of this kind of adopted zero fucks given thought about things, which is, you know, not just complete apathy and disregard for everything in the world, but more so just kind of like, I don't really care anymore about what other people think. I mean, it was just kind of like the last straw in that way. You know, I didn't care that much about it before and now I really don't care about it. Right. There's something a little bit more about kind of just me being me that I'm much more comfortable with now that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with before. I think that's been my tattoo and my piercing moment. Oh, tattoo. Would you get a tattoo? Would you get a tattoo? I think I would. That's my point. I just don't know what it is and where I would get it. It's a really big commitment. And, you know, we have that's what I'm saying. You know, like I got so many different things I could think of. You know, is it a piece of Torah, which I think would be really interesting. And I would, you know, I think enjoy doing something like that, being that kind of ironic. That would be so funny because in my mind, I'm envisioning like an actual Torah scroll, which would be a very ironic and funny tattoo. <laughs> and it says mom right in the middle. <laughs> Just a scroll. <laughs> I have friends who are rabbis that have, you know, texts from Torah tattooed on their skin, right? They have the Shema tattooed on their skin. I don't know if I would do that, but I'm curious to know what it would look like. And I think my kids have also seen, you know, me change in different ways. They've certainly seen me run the emotional gamut. Uh, and that's also been important for me. I think there's also more pressure on me. Or I certainly feel a, a greater deal of pressure now uh, in terms of raising two young boys, what it means to be a man in front of them, what it means to raise them up to be men and to also kind of exceed that and to just be a human, right? To forget about the idea of being a man and just be a human being, what that means. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, I, I certainly think they've seen a, a change in me in that way. Um, and I hope they continue to see changes in that way, because I think that's good. I do. It was so funny that, like, yeah, I, I was in this conversation in Clubhouse, you know, shortly before coming on to this call with you. And they were talking about it was a good conversation. They were talking about, um, you know, not judging your children's decisions if they want to wear like two different color socks or if they want to wear a sweater on a hot day. Right. And it was a really lovely conversation about like they try things on and you have to be respectful of that non-judgmental. But then I was like, let's go a little bit deeper. Right. Like they're going to try on any number of different things in their life that are pure, that are not superficial at all, that have really great, you know, value in their life. And you may step back from it as a parent and think like that's not right at all. And that's the type of thing that you really have to step back from. Like that's the type of thing you have to be non-judgmental about. I'm actually hoping that they see that like, if I'm not judgmental about myself in the process and allowing myself to go through this transition, then I'm hoping they'll pick up on that as well. And that like, they'll see themselves as going through transitions too in their life. And they'll be able to pick up on that and go through that in a non-judgmental way that when it really matters, they can try on what's ever really new and interesting for themselves zero fucks given about anything else that anyone else thinks for their lives it's a lesson that one really has to grow through you know i i i'm 
I'm nearing my 40s <laughs> and I'm only just getting there. And I remember people telling me that and reading about that and that message of do you and be you and be yourself. Everybody else is taken type of approach. And it's just, you can't, you, you know, it's part of the growth process is to actually care and to figure out yourself in relationship to other people. And it's just, I think it's a process. But it's also that story of Zeusia, right? Zeusia dies or he's, he's dying on his deathbed, right? And his students come to him and they say, why are you crying? And he says, because when I get to the heaven's gate, they're going to, I'm afraid they're going to ask me, you know, I'm going to get there and I'm going to say I wasn't Moses because I didn't. But were you Zeusia? But were you Zeusia, right? What a weird name too. No wonder it's a story about a guy like that, Zeusia. You must be a weird person. You must be a unique person if you have a name like Zusia. Well, there was a lot of strange Aramaic names back then. I'm... <laughs> I don't know. Is that also when you started going by Sheva instead of Batsheva? No, I started going by Sheva in grad school just because I found a lot of people had a hard time pronouncing my name, even though it doesn't seem to be phonetically hard. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of became my stage name versus real name. But it, it's been interesting because on my dating profiles, I put Sheva because it's for the most part a secular platform. But I always feel like when I get, you know, when I date a little bit more seriously or get to know people and they continue to call me Sheva in an intimate way, I feel like they don't know me. <laughs> like really I'm bad Sheva. And if you can't pronounce it right, if you can't call me that, it, it feels a little bit like somebody doesn't see me fully. Oh, sure which has been interesting to experience. What do you get, Shiva? Shiva a lot. No, I think they can pronounce Shiva right eventually. It just doesn't feel fully me. Authentic, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but I don't know why it's so hard to pronounce. I went through a period where I was like, I don't want to be Noam anymore. What did you want to be? Zosia? No, that's my whole point is that like, I didn't know. And, but like, I knew for sure that I didn't want to be Noam. I was like really upset you know about what it. Would it be? And this is post-divorce or this is yeah. when you were seven? No, this is post-divorce. <laughs> Did you say when I was seven? You know when like kids go through a phase where they hate their names? <laughs> Do they? I don't know. I don't think Elijah ever or Judah ever went through a phase where they hated their names. They went through phases where they specifically wanted to be called something. Yeah, I didn't want to be Noam. I was like, fuck that. I want to be someone different. Do you want to be a secular name or you just wanted to be like, wipe the whole slate clean and let's start from the beginning? Yeah, I think that's more of what it was. It was like an identity shift type of thing. Oh, I want to know an interesting story about my name. Yeah. So my parents are religious and they're not so happy with my life choices. I think that they're very disappointed. In fact, they are trying to, I actually think that I'm an obstacle in the way of them parenting my children. <laughs> they just want to get to my children before it's too late. And I'm just an obstacle in the way. But my middle name is Bracha. No one's ever called me that. It's been Batsheva. Eva Bracha? Batsheva Bracha. <laughs> and a few years ago, I was spending some of the summer weeks with my parents and my mom and I were figuring out the menu and my mom was like, I'm going to make this and Bracha will make this. And I'm like, who's Bracha? I legitimately thought somebody was coming to cook for us. And she said, oh, I'm going to call you Bracha from now on. I, 
I consulted with a rabbi and he asked, you know, I was talking about my challenges with you and, and he said, what's her name? And, and then my mom said, her name's Bacheva. And the rabbi said, oh, well, that's a very complicated name. Does she have another name? And my mother said, Bracha. And he goes, oh, that's a beautiful name. You should call her Bracha and you have to get everyone to call her Bracha and then everything will change. So she started calling me Bracha, like legitimately changed my name in her phone, wow. referred to me as Bracha, tried to get everybody on board, but nobody would, would jump wow. on board with it. And it was a really, really, I mean, it's a funny story. She bought me a necklace that said the name Bracha on it. It, it's, it was funny, but it was one of the most um, rejecting experiences I have ever had. Of, and, and I had yeah. to do so much of like in, investigation around it because it was so painful. I interpreted it as my mom saying, like, I don't accept you for who you are so much so I need to change your name. <laughs> I, can't, like, you, I just need you to be a whole new person and identity. And then I actually started wearing the necklace because I thought it was a really important lesson on understanding how people love you. Mm -hmm. And in her opinion and in her belief, mm -hmm. she was doing it from a place of love. She, she believes that the true life and, 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 you know, like a great life in this world and the world to come, you need to live and be a certain way. And I wasn't doing that. So she was pained for me. And this was her answer, the solution of just try this, try this son. And I, wow, hard, but I'm able to kind of cognitively see that her place came from love. And it felt painful for me because I wanted love in a different way. But I thought it was a tremendously powerful lesson of looking at people's underlying motives and looking like understanding that people love us in different ways than we expect. And it doesn't always come in the script that we want. It doesn't mean that what she did wasn't painful, it was, but I, I really tried to uh, get beneath it. And, um, and then eventually one of my, she did it for around two, three years. And then eventually one of my siblings like lost his shit at her and was like, what are you doing? Right, it's too much, <laughs> and, it's too much, back up. And she's like, oh, she's fine, she likes it. And everyone's like, no, she doesn't like it. It's, it's, so, it's so wrong. And then she, she kind of dropped it. Yeah, I think she she figured it was hopeless anyway. And nobody else, I think she the rabbi said she had to get three people to actually change my muzzle with it. Yeah. And nobody else would do it. So that's what I think is it's so interesting that you brought that up because we have we talk about all the time, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Think about how silly that is. I right? think about the story that just you that you just told. Right, some people can only love us in the way that they know how, right? In the way that they would want to be loved. Right. And that's what I think this is saying is love your neighbor as yourself is actually very difficult to achieve. If you give someone the only type of love that you think they want because you like it, right, you're gonna be off the whole time. You're gonna give them something that they really don't want. And that's why I think there's that story, you know, between Hillel and Shammai of the the convert who goes to Shammai and says, teach me all of Torah while standing on one foot. And Shammai's like, that's crazy. Get the fuck out of here. And then he goes to Hillel and he says, teach me all of Torah while I stand on one foot. And Hillel says, what's hurtful to you, don't do to other people. Right? It's very different than saying, love your neighbor as yourself. We'd like to think that like the golden rule is what matters. But I think ultimately what we're talking about is that it's, you know, you, you got to be kind to people, right? Don't be an asshole. That's really what we're talking about. I actually 
see it the other way. I see you have to be kind to people in not taking things personally and mm. giving them the benefit of the doubt. And so, well, yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's that kindness that actually is, right. has duality in it. It's being kind to you because you're not taking it personally and it's not a personal attack or a rejection of who you are. And it recognizes what's going on for them, what they're bringing into the story and why they're acting that way. Right. And which is why I love the concept of love languages so much. I'm such a fan and like such a simple concept blew my mind when I first got exposed to it. Of like, of course we speak different love languages. And, and of course I don't, I don't feel love because you're speaking French and I'm speaking Spanish. So we're not hearing each other. Right. It doesn't mean you're not loving and I'm not loving. We're just not communicating. I think that that's at the core of so many relationship issues. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, folks. <laughs> oh, love languages. I, let's love talk about love languages. languages. Since we're a project, we talk about divorce in the whole universe. And next week, we'll talk about love languages. Yeah. Wonderful conversation. I don't know how we got here, but it's... Wait, good. as a teaser, what's your love language? What's my love language? Well, isn't you know? for guys, it's generally physical touch is one of them. Uh, and then, I, well, there's I, a difference. There's a difference because just just because you enjoy physical touch and you have pleasure from it, I always think like, what ignites you? What makes you feel loved? And I don't know if it's always physical touch for men. It, like, what turns on your button that you feel accepted and heard and desired? And we'll leave that as a cliffhanger <laughs> for everyone else, and I will think about it as well. But I'll leave you with that teaser, folks. And we'll discuss our love languages next week. I'm also going to try to predict Sheva's. And Sheva's going to try to predict my love language. I think my love language is easy to guess. Okay. I, I can't wait. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see how colossally wrong I am. <laughs> but if you have suggestions, folks, if you want to guess what our love languages are, send them to the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com or book us up on the web at www.thejewishdivorceproject.com. And you can follow us on social media platforms. We are on Instagram and on Facebook, Jewish Divorce Project. Like us, share, and give us some feedback. All right, folks. Peace out. Mm -hmm.